In a land far away, once upon a time, Brendan, Vicky B, partners in crime. We danced through life like, like a couple of gays. But as time went by, we went our separate ways. Now we're back together, talking about whatever. Talking about the music that, that we, we love forever. Hooking you up like a telephone jack. Everybody listen up, we're getting back on track. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back on Track. Yes, this is Miss Vicky B. And this is Brendan. And this is our... <laughs> What is it, Vic? What is it? It's our life mission to deliver thoughtful content to the masses. It is, of the masses. I don't know if we have masses. We have maybe (laughs) dozens, maybe, if we're lucky. Maybe dozens. But they're quality dozens. How's it going? It's going really well. Oh, good. I'm really super excited. I I just, um, super excited. You're super excited. I'm super excited, girl. I like that. I'm excited. Well, the reason why I'm excited is because I just bought tickets to go see this, um, this, uh, it's called The Witches of the East. Village. Okay. Yeah, and it's like a drag parody of the Witches of Eastwick. Oh, that's fun. Oh, uh, Chad Michaels, um, Coco Peru, and Peaches Christ are all going to be like doing the parody impersonations there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Super, super excited. I love a good parody. Did you just, um, you just got back from like Key West recently, right? Yeah, I mean, it was a little while ago, but you know, the, the days and weeks are, are running as we get a little older. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was in Key West and, um, I got to see um, Ms. Randy Roberts at La Tida. Yay! Yeah. I love Randy Roberts. Yeah. We, we used to work together very, very, a couple occasions. Shut your mouth. In Western Massachusetts. I yes, wish I knew that. We charity dinner and Randy would come up and, and he would do his, his, his uh, performance. And he does so many amazing uh, impersonations. He does, but you know what I gotta tell you? The, him doing his Randy. own Randy doing character, Randy. oh my gosh, is for me, by far and away, the best part of the show. Yeah. Other people, I know, love the impressions yeah. and that's why well, they it's, come. It's sort but... of the cherry on the Sunday because you, you, at first you think, oh, he's doing Bette Midler so amazing or like, oh my god, it's just Cher impersonator that he can really sing and then all of a sudden he comes out as like his embodied female persona yeah. and it's like, oh, wow, now I get it. Totally. You know? I wish I know because my the group of guys I was with had another connection to him, so we did talk to him for a few minutes, and I wish I had made that connection. Yeah, yeah. I wonder oh, well. if you would have mentioned Vicky B if she would have if it would have rung a bell. You I would hope know. so. I hope so too. If it didn't ring a bell, then <laughs> you're not doing your job well. You and I have seen um, what we've seen. <laughs> Stop it. You and I have seen, um, remember when we saw Lady oh Bunny gosh. in Philadelphia? Oh, yeah. That was the best. I've seen Lady Bunny now a few times. Yeah. I'm loving that we're entering spring and summer because for some reason for me, it feels like live shows and fun and craziness. Yeah. And I can't wait. All the freaks are going to be out. Oh, my girl. gosh. So today's show is actually all about one of my favorite live performers, not a drag queen, but... Over the top, lots of costumes, yeah. <laughs> lots of fun. So today we are all about the one and only Pink. So I first saw Pink on I think the Funhouse tour. I was already a fan, but I just had never seen her live. And then um, some good friends had gotten tickets right standing on the floor, right by the stage at oh, Madison Square Garden. You. And this is right when this was the first tour where she was really finally doing all of the silks and the acro, and mm-hmm. it was. Phenomenal. I mean, nothing less than phenomenal. Well, she's definitely, she's become one of the most amazing live acts that's out there right now. You and I saw her together on the Truth About Love tour. Truth About Love. Was it 2013 that we saw it? I think so. That sounds right. It was fantastic. I mean, we sat practically behind the stage and it still was amazing. It was amazing. And I guess what's so amazing too is that she's so, um, her personality can be, is so straightforward and yet she can put on this larger than 
live show yeah. and then really hold the hold the arena. Yeah. She uh, held everybody's attention and she was doing everything from modern dance, contemporary partnering. She's doing her silk. She did a barefoot acoustic number at the front of the stage. She, you know, she's interacting with the people and at the same time doing hip hop dance in her throwback section. And just like, yeah, she's, she, she'll try anything. Yeah. She's totally irreverent. You know what kind of does um, a little bit piss me off, though? Oh, right. <laughs> it doesn't really piss me off. Start. No, it's just, you know what always frustrates me is that she has the stylized exclamation point in her name. Yeah. But, like, it's never tracked appropriately. Like, if you go on some systems, it's pink spelled with the I. Yeah. Some systems, it's the exclamation point. It can be very hard to find her and or to notate her appropriately. I, I agree. <laughs> and it's not something as difficult as when the artist changed his name to an unpronounceable symbol. And then everybody all of a sudden had to download the typeface in order to be able to use it. But they got it. But it's like, all you got to do to spell pink correctly is put the exclamation point in the eye, let us not be lazy. So you're telling me I should calm down. Well, I don't know. I mean, I just want consistency. I like the exclamation point, but I feel like it's inconsistent. It gives you something extra. It gives you something extra. She is consistent with it. Is she really? Well, it's always in the album art. Like every album, the the, the cover has had pink spelled with the upside down yeah, but maybe so, all of the all of the vendors are not vendors, vendors. retailers. Yeah. Well, it's know. probably people of another generation who don't understand the importance of Ugh. the use of like you know other characters. I'm offended. Well, <laughs> and good reason. I think we're agreeing. I think I'm agreeing with you. We're agreeing. Well, you anyway, know, let's talk about pain. Yeah. Well, I'm mean, girl. She's just so individual. She's so true to herself. She's just like she's got queer energy all over her oh she she sure does she's just defying conventions do you know how many gay men are like i would love to have a piece of that like she crosses all sorts of lines i mean she's sexy in every way imaginable and i think what really shines through what really resonates resonates it's like my word of the century is like she's she's brave and she's self-confident and Mm. she's unafraid to try new things oh my gosh she's not afraid to fail talk about reinvention that that word gets tossed around with lots of people but she has tried something new Every, Every time. time. Well, we're five and minutes in, but I think we're, yeah. you know, we're, we're, a, we're a society of we're always trying to find the next king, the next queen, the next this and that. And there's always been talk in our generation of who's the next Madonna going to be. Mm-hmm. And I remember back in the day, it was like, oh, it's Britney Spears. And basically all they had to, in common was the fact that they were blonde and they sung pop songs, exactly. as far as I'm concerned. And nowadays, everybody's trying to say it's Lady Gaga because of the level of sexuality and the art references. But for me, it's always been pink. In my mind, I say, who else has the balls yeah. to, to, to be un, to be fearless and who else is going to try to push the envelope and to buck what the label is trying to make her do and to do what she wants and what is authentic and true to herself and at the same time changing like a chameleon and at the same time upping the game and the risk factor every single time she comes out. Who is doing that? It's her. Y'all, Vicky's about to explode. I'm sorry. You should no, see what I'm seeing right now. I realize the passion that I had about her. Okay, so there's so much to talk about. I think we'll like get through all of her backstory and, and her history as we talk about these songs. So why don't we start with Vic, you telling me what is sort of a, a leading key essential pink track for you? Oh my goodness. Okay, here we go. The quintessential for me, the quintessential pink track is Please Don't Leave Me from Funhouse in 2008. Ooh, 
this song is just it's 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 everything. Go tell yeah. me why you like it. Written by Pink and Pac Man Max Martin, produced by Max Martin. It was the third single from 2008's Funhouse. Um, it's a it's a song about how she's openly admitting to be a pain in the ass, and uh, uh, in the video you're seeing visual metaphoric representations of her like torturing and screwing around with the boyfriend that she's sort of like passively like allowing to fall down the stairs or get attacked it's just it's like everything that she writes about is like I love you I hate you like Mm -hmm. I want to be around you I want you to get the hell away from me or like we're going to spend our lives together but I can't fucking stand you do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah and, and that, that, we're gonna talk about that over and over the today the struggle is so beautiful and she has such a way in real come, in real and the way that max martin helps her uh you know manifest it into lyrics and and into this beautiful song that we have it's just yeah it's that great. when you hear at the very beginning of that track that um that da 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 yeah right at the top oh my gosh it like it just sets you off i don't know you know something's coming it's yeah. great well and the hooks too she she they they when they pick the tracks that are going to go on these albums they really get the good hooks and oh that's gosh. just you know a, it's built around a cool idea and then you've got the guitar coming in. It's flawless. It's, and I how amazing, it. I mean, you know, how amazing, uh, just a testament to her and her authenticity and her ability to sort of stay alive through this industry that she has such a um, public, uh, you know, expression of, of her life and her relationship mm-hmm. and with, with a man who's also not necessarily the same kind of celebrity, but a well-known personality. Um, and... It's just incredible to me that she's able to find a way to navigate and survive without being, you know, a, a personality who's constantly like hitting up the paparazzi or trying to solicit that kind of attention, but also isn't shying away and and pretending like she's not connected with this music. She's yeah. giving you some access, but at the same time, you know, seems to be able to to kind of be above it all in a, in a good way. I mean, yeah. Well, I think that because there's no artifice with her, I think that because right. she understands that the only way to be able to really like come out the other end and be able to sleep at night is to be true to yourself. And so she's like, "What am I going to act like this song isn't about Carrie Hart? Let's put him <laughs> in the video." You know what I mean? Right. So when they broke up, they're in the midst totally. of a gigantic breakup, and she's like, "The first line of the song. This is another single, by the way, but for for so what? Right? Right? I think I just lost my husband. I don't know where he went. It's sort of like okay well, we all know who she's talking about it and she's like okay yeah. well I'm not going to play my fans like they think that I don't plus yeah. she just did it because she wanted to do it Yeah, you know there's all of these things there's all of these unspoken de facto rules that say you can't do this you can't do that blah 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 and she just says you know what screw it I think you this know? track was also really important because in that funhouse you know era, era. um a lot of the songs were like very specifically themed um, in that kind of a way, and mm-hmm. and this was more of just a sort of a straightforward, um, sort of a clean, you know, pop rock track. Yeah. And- but they were able. It's really cool. I also enjoy, and this is one of the things that I enjoy about her as well. They were able to pull the funhouse idea into the video via the the sort of pussycat doll type of carnival looking clown, crazy scary stuff that she was wearing. Yeah, you know, hot topic meets like Barbie with your hair on fire didn't she do all of that um she did that whole freak show uh freak show theater thing too where she did a lot of like video work that was called freak show something maybe i'm talking about no i don't oh wow you should youtube that okay Um, that sounds like that sounds great yeah yeah she did a lot of and it's interesting because right at the same time i don't know if hers was first or not but you sort of had a lot of circusy freak show things going on from series like heroes which went to like a circus freak show place to britney spears circus 
Mistress. Mm-hmm. You had, you know, Fun House with Pink. Then you have, you know, American Horror Story more recently doing some of the freak showy stuff. So there's a real moment of this happening in the last five or six years. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, craziness are, 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 an inner psycho circus on display for everybody to see. And that's what she's about. So that's why I started with this. But well, yeah, let me give you another Funhouse one. Yeah. Because, you know, right on the theme of sort of Funhouse and Freak Show, this song, um, it, I think, is just so gorgeous. And uh, it's called Crystal Ball. Pennies in a well A million dollars in the fountain of a hotel Fortune teller says maybe you won't go to hell but I'm not scared at all mm-hmm. The cracks in the crystal The cracks in the crystal ball Interesting, interesting. It's a little bit more of a down-tempo one. It is more of a down-tempo one, but, you know, for this, it, it really speaks to all of the things we were just talking about um, with Pink and that... Um, she is, you know, so real and fearless and is willing to sort of just talk about that in a very matter-of-fact way. And this song is, you know, speaking about, you know, uh, the cracks in the crystal ball, meaning that you don't really know what life has in store, you know, for you. Yeah. That, you know, we can we can think and we can imagine and have plans and ideas, but how often are those not how actually life turns out to be? Pretty much every time. Um, and coming to peace with with that and embracing that that is our reality of our experience of life. So I think it's a beautiful sentiment. Yeah, I, I thought that this is very in line with like the types of messages that really speak to you. You know, I, I've noticed a lot about our selections and things like this. You've got a lot of like sort of positive, uplifting kind of vibes about it, or like you know, the is this uplifting? Like, I feel like it's a glass half full, in, in that you know, you never know what you know the way things are going to turn out, and you've got a, a fortune teller telling you that your life is going to turn out this way, mm-hmm. you know. But there's but there's things that happen, and I don't know. It just seems yeah. like she's it's an, it seems optimistic. It doesn't seem very painful necessarily. No, I think it's acknowledging what is and so then once mm-hmm. you've acknowledged and named what is you can do anything yeah. well I like the misery songs <laughs> as a matter of fact one of my favorite songs by her is actually named misery okay I mean, this has always been one of my favorite songs from her sophomore album, Misunderstood. Um, that was really her breakthrough. But when she really started coming into her own in terms of being a rock singer, this is a duet with Steven Tyler, yes. Aerosmith, Bluesy, um, and just um, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm addicted. This to song her. felt like a big departure. Yeah, at the mo- so? at the time, yeah. I think so. It was her, right. I mean, it was her second album. We can, we haven't even talked about the first album, which well, is very we can different. Go there next. But yeah, yeah. But this is when she started saying, "Oh, there's a little bit more to me than mm-hmm. than meets the eye than the original pop confection." Mm-hmm. And she was able to enlist. The, the, so the the crazy part is the dude that wrote this song. Um, his name is Richie Supa. It was produced by Marty Fredrickson and Richie Supa. Um, the dude that wrote this song was the guy that wrote Pink for Aerosmith from their Nine Lives album oh my from gosh. 1997. That's right? so weird. And this song was created for Aerosmith, but Steven Tyler decided, or I don't know if it was Steven Tyler, the group collectively decided that it was too bluesy for, for Aerosmith. And it was their idea that we should give it to Pink. So crazy enough, Pink 
picked up the song, put it on the album, Steven Tyler singing backup, and now there's a live performance that you can watch um, right around during the family portrait, sort of just like a pill era mm-hmm. where she dyed her hair dark, mm-hmm. where she bring, uh, brings in the song, and then Steven Tyler comes out from stage left and starts singing his verse, and they do the whole song together. It's the two of them screaming at each other throughout <laughs> the whole number. It's awesome. It's like rock and roll heaven. You yeah. I mean, I love this song. I love it too. I mean, she doesn't do a lot of duets, but I feel like when she does one like this, it's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, this, and this dude, Richie Supa, he's, he's the man. He's worked with Bon Jovi guitarist Richie Sambora on his second solo album, Undiscovered Soul from 1998. Um, he's also a director of creative recovery at this place. It's called Recovery Unplugged Treatment Center, where he uses music to help addicts that are going through recovery he uses songwriting as like a way of dealing with what they're going through and that's Mm -hmm. exactly sort of what pink was doing with this album completely is sort of you you know like okay we've done yeah we've done the baby face tracks and we've done all of the studio like pre-process numbers and now i'm going to start talking about what i'm going through what i've been through. yeah well i mean let's just go right to the heart of it that i want to talk about on the same album don't let me get me i'm a hazard to my Right? And I mean, in this track, I mean, she's, it's amazing to be so meta about your own career in your music. Um, I feel like it was one of the first times I can recall, like, kind of getting a peek into that world in such a direct way from a pop star like that. To have someone say, you know, on an album to talk about the challenges they're having with the managers who are trying to <laughs> steer them in a certain direction. And it's not like this is in a side interview or, you know, some sort of award speech. It, this is like. DLC at the Grammys afterwards. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. No, this is actually in the track that the label then approves. Yeah. Right? I mean, right. The it's label amazing. approved it. Well, I, they must have just believed so much in her talent. Yeah. So it was the second single yeah. from, the, from the album. And what's funny is this is another creative spelling situation. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got the upside down I again. And then we've got the backwards S Z mm. um, for stood. Stood. Yeah. And I, honestly, <laughs> I'll, I'll say I'm guilty of of. Uh, frequently misspelling it, like not being true to the the album stylization. Of course, well, it's tricky. It's tough. I have a hard time. It's but you you're know, very pink. diligent. <laughs> you're very diligent, Brandon. I'm trying. I'm trying to really respect the the craft, respect the work. Um, anyway, though, so this was um, "Don't Let Me Get Me." Um, it did, I think, really well on the Billboard Hot 100. It wasn't the number one. It was a critical but, smash, though. Or was people, the number one? People really loved it. Um, written by Pink, Dallas Austin, and produced by Dallas Austin, who up until that time was a pretty, like, foremost R&B producer. He produced, like, Secret by Madonna. Mm-hmm. He produced a lot of TLC stuff. He did a lot of Monica's stuff. Um, really, really urban producer. And then all of a sudden taking this shift in his work, and even with TLC, with Unpretty, and yeah. taking it into a guitar realm and doing this rock type of stuff. He Now he's making these type of rock tracks. That was a departure for him, too. It's interesting. And I felt like what was funny that people responded to in this one was a couple things. One, there was a little bit of disbelief from some of the you know music critics and whatnot that I was looking at about her being so sort of self-deprecating, mm-hmm. like give me a break as though she was being inauthentic, which I thought was so weird. I mean, mm-hmm. I think everybody is sort of feels like their own worst enemy. Um, sure. And so... 
it was a little bit, it's weird to think that people would imagine that as not being her real experience. But anyway, um, they were sort of like, you're so successful, give me a break. Well, the first um, track of her first album was called Split Personality. Yeah. She introduces herself to the world by saying, I am split of right course, down the as we all are. Yeah. I mean, there's, they're not listening. They must not be listening. Not listening. But you know what they did listen to? What? The Britney Spears line. That line blew the world <laughs> blew up. up. Isn't I know, that right? like, and that's the crazy part is like you reference Britney Spears and then the whole song became about, you know, comparing her, comparing her to Britney Spears. Yeah, yeah. Which I guess she was sick of. That's why she put it in the. <laughs> it had the effect of doing exactly what she was trying to call out. You know what I mean? Which is maybe the point. I mean, she has the last laugh there, I, I suppose. So. Well, yeah. And I mean, so she's always arguing with artists, especially blonde, popular, you know, singers about the authenticity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and then you get the L.A. Reid stuff in there, which is so interesting. Again, just going back to, like, talking about management and labels in mm-hmm. a song. And, you know, she was with LaFace and Arista through that whole thing. Yeah. Um, and now I think she's with RCA because of how the – how – Everything things all just got sold down. and pieces of things got yep. moved around. Yep. And um, I think L.A. Reid is with – he's with the Sony division, right? I'm not sure. I think he's with the Sony division. She's now with RCA and seems pretty excited. But what's interesting is, like, this is her second album. She talks about the frustrations, um, you know, about how they were trying to steer her. But she still gets to put an album out. And she's still kind of with the label for a while. I mean, she's obviously obliged, I'm sure, contractually. But I, I don't know. It's impressive that she's able to figure that out. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Well, she she set a precedent in enlisting Linda Perry oh my uh, to come work with her. Um, no kidding. Well, because then all of a sudden it was like she brought in, you know, the four non-blondes lady and then everybody in L.A. wanted Yeah. Linda Much Perry. to the detriment of their relationship that they had and the intimacy that she shared. It, Didn't it Pink move in with like, her for months Yeah, she or moved something? in with her yeah. for, for a while while they were making this album together. And she took it hard when she's – when Linda Perry's writing career started taking off as a result of the fame of this album and yeah. artists wanting to get like an image makeover uh, record – from somebody. So, you know, she, Linda Perry is a struggling artist herself. You know, they had that, the one album with Four Non Blondes and they were rec- in the studio recording a follow up and they no, broke No, this up. was Linda Perry's big moment. You right? can't not take those big moments. So I think they've since reconciled and they performed, so. they performed together since, but it was tough. But if we could, could I cut to one of the tracks that they've done together? Yeah. Okay. So one of my favorite Pink Linda Perry collaborations is called Gone to California. Another album track from Misunderstood, yeah. but I really feel like it captures another another thing that Pink talks about with a, an air of sarcasm in her voice. And it has to do with sort of celebrity and like mm-hmm. the way that it's all depicted versus the way that it really is. She's talking about the streets are paved with silver. There, everything's going to be great when I get there because here in Philly, everybody's dying. Right. You know, she talks. I'll say we should talk a little bit for a second as you set the stage for this about just you know that she was from. born in 1979 mm-hmm. and she was you know from. 
Pennsylvania. Doylestown, Pennsylvania. From Doylestown, yeah. And so it has a real you know, sort of, um, what's, what do they call, I guess it's the Keystone State, but what do they call that area of Pennsylvania? I'm trying to remember now. Oh, the, is it the breadbasket of the, or is that a little bit further out? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But it's, I don't know. People but, refer to Pennsylvania as one of those states that you have to get through before you can get to anything else. Well, yeah, the, the point is, is that like, she had a modest growing up and, 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 and some real, you know, uh, I don't know, just, uh, she had a rough, tough life. She was a, yeah. she, you know, she was a skater punk. She was doing drugs and going to raves, and she was really she was she tried everything, living really out loud, and yeah, and tried everything. And also, her parents went through like a a, a divorce that was really yep. hard on her, and 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 you know, and she, but she got into the scene really. How did early. she do that? How did she do? And she got first got into that girl group that was then sent to. They sent like a demo, basically. I think, I think down to Atlanta to LA Reid. I think she started singing um, in clubs and things like that and in the Philly area. Them, yeah, and a group of them put the. But they were like teenagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think and there's also I'm not completely positive, but I know that their first song that they had as choice was mm-hmm. from the Shazam soundtrack. And well, it got times. placed on that soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. I think they were shopping them at the like they were signed to the label, but they had completely like put an album together and it got to a point with la reed where he was like listen we're 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 gonna we're interested in keeping you you can stay and be signed with us or you can just leave all right a little bit of an ultimatum yeah because i think that they were doing some performances for the label and i think that the other girls really weren't speaking to them you know what i mean i mean i feel so like that's a tough choice right there my god yeah you know um so let's go back to gone to california yeah, yeah, yeah. so well it's so it's produced with um linda perry and damon elliott and damon El- Elliot uh, produced tracks like Sexy Daddy for Destiny's Child, Stole by Kelly Rowland, Whatever Bitch, um, and Take a Picture, uh, which was also co-written by Pink for Maya's Mood Ring album. Um, so he's got a lot of stuff out there. But yeah, I, I like this song because it's bluesy and it's sarcastic. She's sort of like, I, I mean... If you take it word for word, she's saying she's going on to better things. But I think at the end of the day, she's had enough of a dose of Hollywood to understand that for every, you know, person that's out on the street dying, there's a scumbag in Hollywood that's waiting to exploit you. And you know what I mean? And yeah, it's the same type of of trials and tribulations that await you over there. It's just a different echelon. And I wonder if like being able to process all of that in real time and to speak to it and, and, and sort of call it out and live it is what sort of helped her survive so well in the music industry well yeah when you because there's no the pretense there's no yeah, yeah. when you're when you're using all of that psychic energy to keep things on the DL mm-hmm. the, you know what I mean it can fester covering up yeah and, you just yeah. bring it up to the top and the sunlight you know disperses and you know mm. it's a beautiful notion yeah, yeah yeah so I mean like whatever people are responding to it you know she might not have the superstardom of, of like Madonna necessarily but I think especially after her recent Grammy performances oh like, my god, if we want to cut right to that sure um, yeah well, i mean which ones i mean i think the big one i'm talking about the, the one of the tracks that you had that i think people really responded to is yeah. a live performance of Yeah, so Try is a pretty um, 
cool song for lots of reasons. I think for that performance, um, you know, she had done live try performances a couple places, recreating the iconic video. So. Mm-hmm. If anyone, I think everyone saw this video at this point, but um, really beautiful contemporary dance out in the desert. It's about a relationship. <laughs> it's about her relationship with Carrie Hart, mm-hmm. um, as we've talked about. Um, it was uh, originally sung by, I guess, a, gr- a band called Go North to Go South, um, by fronted by Ben West and Michael Busby. And <laughs> thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, but uh, Pink's version of the song premiered on the radio on September 6, 2012. Um, it was the second single from the album Truth About Love. And, you know, that album was played with a bunch of leaks that I think got her really upset, which we've heard about from lots of artists as of late. Yeah. You can't keep that stuff locked down. Well, everything is on everything is on flash drives now. Yeah. And, you know, so it, it gets I don't know how Adele did it. I don't, I don't know, know how she did it. Anyway, this is not about Adele. But <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> so anyway, um, it was just, it's a, it's a beautiful song. The video, I think, is really what takes it over the edge. You get to see this amazing contemporary dance that none of us even knew Pink. I, I didn't know she was capable of. No, well, we knew we sh- she had some gymnast background. Yes. She's always been, she's always had a very athletic uh persona in all of her videos from boxing you know at the beginning and driving motorcycles and she's skateboarding she's always been open about having a skateboard background and then she you know the motocross with carrie and things like so she's always been very physical yeah and i think okay so we really got the first dose of pink as a physical circus performer when she was doing um sober or she was doing um she was doing glitter in the air right so it was that fun house era Yeah, yeah but i think that when her ability to be able to sing live through this and whole do that, and oh to my do gosh! The so right, so this Grammy performance, she comes out and she's wearing this white um, piece of fabric that's sort of hooded, and she has it draped around her body, and underneath is sort of a sparkly unitard. Mm-hmm. Um, but she comes out, and you don't really know what's underneath. And there's going to be a reveal, and she's slowly walking downstage into the audience um, to uh, to a separate. Uh, uh, circular platform stage they have set up for her, and um, this is glitter in the air. That you're no, about. this is try. That you're this is try. About? Okay, okay. Don't try me. Okay, no, I'm, I'm try it. <laughs> is wait, am I wrong? I think we're talking about glitter in the air. Honestly, girl, Shoot. no, it's okay. We can put that in, in there on the EP. She did the and they dip her in the water at the very end of it, and they spin yeah. her around, and she gets everybody wet. No, try is when they do the recreation of the of the actual set piece. No, but they uh, but 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 she's in the air for when it starts. Like there's other performances of try live where they redo the oh. whole video on the ground, basically. Uh-huh. But for the Grammys, she was in the air again. She does the beginning of the song all. All in the air, and she finally gets brought down. And the guy, who's I think a, a Broadway dancer, I forget his name. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got it here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Stand by, Colt Pratt. There you go. Of course, that's his name. Yeah. Cult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is the guy that we would have hated to have seen walking. Oh my in the god! Room when we're trying to get that ensemble job, and tan and, and beautiful, and just perfect in every way. Jesus. Go to hell! And now he's doing this <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, beautiful performance piece, with Pete, right. with and Pink. He really get needs to. Um, no, so he he un uh, unhooks her from her harness oh, situation. My bad, Brendan. And, I'm um, so sorry. No, no, it was my bad too. I'm <laughs> well, she did the things. silk routine when we saw her live for the Truth yeah. Love tour. She yeah. did the whole silk thing. So anyway, then she comes down and they do some of the choreography from the video. It's really beautiful, including this um uh this weight sharing balance move that she sort of <laughs> became her signature. Yeah. <laughs> With a nice big flex foot. <laughs> and you and I are like <laughs> 
I think, that, I think that was a modern choice. Yeah. Choreo- chore- choreography was by the Golden Boys. Oh, okay. We should call that out, too. Right on, right on. Um, they've worked with the likes of Madonna and Britney Spears. Well, did you know, did you know that this album, The Truth About Love, was her first number one album? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't I mean, know that. it was super, super great album. And I actually want to take the second mm-hmm. to segue into a, a Truth About Love album track that is really important to you. Yes. That does not find itself on Spotify because it was a bonus track. Which is so messed up. You want to bring us into it, though? Oh, my gosh. Everyone, I <laughs> <laughs> I live for this song. And um, it's just the, the most beautiful sonic pink experience I think I could ever have. And it's called Is This Thing On? It was on my list as yeah, well. Yeah, it's on. It's all on all the time. This has such a spinning, cyclical situation happening. You hear it, and I just feel like I'm brought into a world of, um, I don't know. Confusion. And it's sort of like, like what is happening with our relationship? We have to get it back on track. We've got the, the anxiety that's in your head that's aware of the ticking clock of like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and how do you get, stakes. how do you, right, and how do you, in a situation, in a long-term relationship like that, figure out the right ways to keep it fresh and to stay engaged and to keep moving? Um, I think that's tough. Anybody who's sort of gone through that can can relate to that. And she speaks about it so candidly and so beautifully. Um, and and, and the song just takes off like a rocket ship. It just has this building, uh, thumping uh, beat behind it. And then when the chorus hits, it takes you away. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, a lot of her stuff is like Pink dealing with, you know, like beating and thumping and like lashing out yeah. and punching the crap out of people. A lot of her first videos were, you know, oh my driving motorcycles into, you know, crashing them into buildings. And Do you want to go know. back to can, uh, the can, what's it called? Can't, can't Take, take me, me Home, home era. Yeah. Can we start there? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I'd like to start with the title track can't take me home so yeah this is the title track from her album and basically it, it seems like along with split personality her philosophy like can't take me home to your mother you know you should have you should have thought about that before you messed with me um, <laughs> the, you know the album came out in 2000 I, I think the first single there you go came out in 1999 but mm-hmm. she was working with a completely different group of people that she is now um, this song was written by Pink uh, Harold Frazier and uh, produced by Steve Rhythm Clark but this is while she was at LaFace Records it's a now defunct label founded by L.A., Reed and Babyface, hence mm-hmm. LaFace. Um, and it was originally originally distributed by Arista. Um, LaFace Records was a huge force in urban music. Um, big names that we have come to know now, uh, like Tony Braxton, TLC, Usher. Yeah. These are tastemakers in oh urban music. 
And that urban um, lens on pink, it was so fascinating for her debut because you look back at the looks and the visuals from that time and it's almost a different person. Totally. And yet a a facet of her. Completely. (laughs) Just a single facet. A single facet. (laughs) No, listen, it was a makeup artist's dream. Like a drag queen's dream. I mean, you've got fluorescent pink hair. All you can think of is let's come up with contrasting eyeshadow colors. Yeah. Let's do like high contrast pink and green and orange, you know, uh, video shoots and photo shoots. Even the way they would just, even the way they would, I, I felt like um, shade and contour her face with the makeup it was really, more severe. it was more severe and also gave her a, um, a, an ethnically ambiguous look. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's really that, that's how she got her start, the way that she came in with choice. The, and that's the angle that they took with her. And it certainly is a, a part of of her. She was always Absolutely. a skater, raver. How fun was girl. it when we saw the Truth About Love tour that they had that little the old throwback school throwback section. moment oh. where they had the dancers behind her. It was the you know old school Paula, you know Janet style, pink in front, doing the cute moves. Oh yeah, um, it was there. You it was go great. Most girls, yeah, and, and uh, you make me sick. And yep. so can't take me home. Is it wasn't a single, but it does have this sort of like the stuttering, bleeping future R and B production that was big in that era. It's kind of become. It's become dated, but some of it has lasted. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like um, technology was was bursting out, and TLC had come out with fan mail, and we've got this. You know, she was teamed up her first single with um, these legendary producers. I think they were the sound of the time. This, uh, what were they called? Uh, Candy Burris. And Kevin Shakespeare Briggs, they were a boyfriend and girlfriend writing production um, partner partnership. And they came out with songs like Bills, Bills, Bills by mm-hmm. TLC. They did No Scrubs. They did um, It Makes Me Ill by NSYNC. NSYNC they did yeah. 702's Star Album. Like those little... By the block- way, Pink opened for NSYNC. Yeah, right, connection. right, right. Exactly. <laughs> but you can hear all that, too. I mean, you can hear the connections there that you were just talking it's about. All, in that it's all jittery, sort of like, and then rapid fire patter songs and talking about your cell phones. But what wound up dating this whole era was the sort of, you know, the, the sort of slang and the, you know, the shorties and the, you know, the talking about your pager and talking, you know what I mean? Like, it, <laughs> it, that's sort of what, it, it's what made it hot at the moment, but at the same time, it is what has kept it from kind of making its way back or like amongst the pantheon of the most artistic, beautiful pink songs that we have nowadays. Yeah, and she's also, yes, and I think she's abandoned that style a little bit. I mean, it was very specific. She's tried lots of things. Yeah. I think we're finding her more in a groove right now where she's just gotten a little bit older and as she starts to sort of find herself I sort of I feel like there's a bit more of a through line Mm -hmm. in her more recent work yeah would you agree yeah absolutely Um, one other thing I wanted to just talk about for two seconds is Most Girls which is the second single where it was her most successful obviously at the time it was released Um, and but what I just want to talk about for two seconds is the video do you remember the Most Girls video I do I do oh my gosh so I just love that you know She's sort of in a little bit of a dystopian future kind of situation. (laughs) Um, And there's a little bit of a storyline going on. But the main bulk of it is in some industrial factory warehouse space. Very CNC Music Factory Rhythm Nation. Very, very CNC Rhythm Nation, (laughs) except it's pink in like a little powder blue bikini top. (laughs) And then these hot, Hot beefy men with no shirts on. And they're in jeans. And they've got, especially at the beginning, they have these big percussive instruments big drums or barrels or whatever they are yeah. and they're like muscles are 
flexing like with the beat. <laughs> it's really gratuitous. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's so and over the top. And she's like kickboxing and stuff and like and lime green eyeshadow. Yes, yes. And, and you're beating people down but then <laughs> dancing with this troop of men behind her, shirtless yeah. men behind her and just owning it. I think she is living probably my dream. Oh my God. <laughs> it's it's pretty fantastic. It, yeah. It's kind of like the, the young, accessible street version of like the kind of maybe more de- sophisticated quality of express yourself mm-hmm. you know what I mean like express yourself video you're sort of in a in that sort of machine kind of space metropolis in a metropolis with sort of handsome men who are sculpted mm-hmm. but this was like the like the the, <laughs> the kid version yeah. <laughs> the kid song the little sister version yeah. where we're just gonna be a little more cartoony and well listen I mean like for for uh, as crazy as it was and as left field as it was it it, it People liked it. And this was oh her my biggest gosh. charting single. Well, it also was amazing because she was basically, you know, the song was saying, I've got my shit together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, you know that's always. I'm looking of- for love and I'm doing it for real because I don't need someone to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. I'm good Shorty to go. Shorty can pay her own rent. Shorty can pay her own rent. <laughs> to quote her exactly. Shorty got a job. That song, that song <laughs> and that whole album is such a blast and such a trip. But alas, that's probably as much attention as we're going to be paying to it moving well, forward into the new era. Can I know. just flip it completely and go in a, in a total other direction? We're talking about beating people up and, you know, throwing cell phones and things like that. So after Misunderstood, she gets together with a punk lead singer and guitarist from the group Rancid and, and turns out an album um, sort of angrily. It's called Try This in 2003. And the fourth and final single from this little known single from this album is called Last to Know. reaction to me like including this on well I think I mean hilarious why are you laughing oh, do you do you do have, you have a, a reaction rea- because i don't think this would be a brendan selection no. because so, it's angry and it's and it's miserable well <laughs> that's not true i feel angry and miserable sometimes i will say this album what i appreciated was the sort of f you to the industry that i think it was mm-hmm. um would this be on my top 10 no it's not it's on your top 10 yeah. but i do like it um yeah. it's a good song and this whole album i just i like how she was you know giving you a taste of punk but still in this very sort of accessible pink pop way I mean that's what's so crazy about her is that she does try all these different things albums called Try This Um, (laughs) America tried it and they were like maybe something else no but what's so great though about it is she's still able to give you a flavor of it without it being completely um, inaccessible or off the wall but but it doesn't feel um, cynical or doesn't feel inauthentic it's like she's able to be real and her real is like mainstream just enough yeah (laughs) you know what I mean merch 
well, right, and and put put into a language. Well, you know, we yeah. always talk about like being frank and like being yeah. direct about it, and it's sort of like okay, like punk is is a genre that's very much about rage, and you know, it, it's anti, it's yeah. anti-establishment and things like that. But at the same time, it's also it can be very inaccessible. It can be it can be tough. It can be really tough. Yeah. So, what did you love about Last to Know? Well, okay, this song in particular, she's screaming in it. You know, yeah. um, the, the the guitar hook is amazing, and the fact that um, there's uh, like it's like a B uh, B chorus or like a, what, what do you call that a B section where it's like a section yeah. right before the chorus. Sometimes it's the pre-chorus. Pre-chorus. Sometimes it, yes. it like ramps you up. Yeah. So there's there's ooh the ramp up. That's the word. It's a so ramp much up. of her music ramps. Yeah. Well, that this song it. really ramps you up. Yeah. It's like she's getting yeah. really freaking riled up. Yeah. So it starts with just the that you know that metal uh, guitar riff mm-hmm. and then just moves up and up and up and then you add the drum fills and and everything and it, to the point where she's just in complete full rage freak out and I, I, I've mentioned but not you know not this song there's other tracks on this album but like there's a secret track at the end of it called Hooker mm-hmm. which has a lot of the same the, mm-hmm. the same feel to it and it's all the same production so mm-hmm. I didn't include it on the list but like another angry like kind of blatant fuck you yeah. you know what I mean to so the type of people that that, that piss her off mm-hmm. um, so I don't know I appreciate that this is just about unbridled rage and it really I don't know it really resonated with me it was and, like, I, and I think I got the sense a lot of it too was just in response really directly to how her label was trying to put her in a box and mm-hmm. she was literally it's like i have to get an album done okay try this yep. <laughs> um which i thought was great i reacted really strongly in a positive way to um the the lead single from the album which is a little bit more of the one that everyone knew a little bit more accessible it's called trouble oh yeah trouble yeah. trouble so it's been on like every tv show and movie and it's used all the time and again it was sort of like the punk light <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a little bit of like you know a little bit more of a brendan track um there's a little bit more of an accessible melody um it's it's funny. What's funny about this song is like the way I've always just like, what are you tr- what are you rebelling against? Or like, what you're trouble. You're coming. Right. We're coming. You're going to get us. But at, in this situation, it wasn't clear exactly like what she was like. No, the song makes against. no sense. I know. <laughs> no, it doesn't make any sense. But that opening riff, it's that similar. This whole album is though those. It's his name Tim it's Armstrong. Yep. Is that his name? Yep. Rancid. The rancid riffs. Yeah. <laughs> are what the really riffs. are what characterize this whole album. But trouble was just a lot of fun. Um, it did really well. It was. Uh, what was it? it was the first single off the album um how did it do it was oh well, it won a grammy for best female rock performance right which was what i was thinking of but it actually didn't do as well on the charts as i thought it did i suppose no. but it was very you know well received by the industry um critically i thought i was reading about this and i i stumbled upon a genre that i didn't realize existed but cowpunk that's the name of is that the, what it's called? That's the name of the genre of this song, or that it's been quoted as. You know, like the tinges and twangs of, of country music, but uh, put in with the you know the fierce edge of of punk music. Well, that's interesting because then the video for this was you know all Set western, in the west. and, yeah. yeah, yeah, and she's breaking all bottles western. Over. <laughs> she's, she's, it's all western, breaking bottles and stuff. And Directed by a lady. What was her name? Sophie Muller. Oh, work. Okay. Yeah. So Pink's you know doing it for the girls. Holla. Well, yeah. She's awesome and she She totally kicks ass in this in this video she looks fabulous um, definitely a rebellious move against her label hoping you know you know what I mean and this was her final studio album with is it Arista or Arista I thought it was Eris, but I don't know. I maybe, said it maybe the wrong way. I don't just know. Just like Gloria Estefan, Estefan. It's, tomato, tomato. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> this was, um, yeah, this was her final studio album with them. And um, 
anyway, so it was, uh, you know, it was just a really, I don't know what I'm going to say. Can I squeeze in a quick one-off for, for uh, Try This before we switch gears? Yes. Yes. Another another element that I like from this is the acknowledgement of, like, the struggling youth that she mentions. And she's kind of always mentioned this with Family Portrait and conversations with my 13-year-old self. But the song Save My Life. Save my life. Wasn't this another single as well? I don't. I don't it think wasn't? it was. Oh. I don't think it was an album track, but just oh. again dealing with adolescence and um, speaking to somebody that's going through a struggle. That's you know, you, she's been frank about you know drugs and and you know uh, and going through hard times. And I like that the song is like a cry for help. It's it's describing a person that is acting out in all the ways that are self destructive. And she's admitted to having done that herself. Oh my gosh. Um, so and that's part of what makes her so relatable and why we love so much is like girl you're going through it and I feel you it's like she she pink has talked a lot about soul and I remember like um on her um on her party tour that she did with Misunderstood, she performed this song that's called I Love You live. It's by Mary J. Blige from the My Life album. Uh-huh. And she quotes Mary J. Blige as among the among the echelon of like her her top singers, the, the you know, uh, the pantheon, I should say, of her top, you know. She talks about soul. Mm-hmm. She talks about going through you, she wants to hear when you're singing singing something, it's not you doing vocal gymnastics for the sake of it. It's about you really telling a story and digging deep and getting into your pain. Absolutely. And that's what, so that's the place that she sings from. So it's really cool for me to hear in, in this song her speaking. You know, she's telling the story in the third person as if she's talking about somebody else, but she's also talking about the arrival of this new character in her life. And it seems like it's Carrie Hart about somebody that's, you know, going to save your life, you know, being yeah. aware that they're totally not going to save your life, but sort of like, you know, like maybe this is it. Like maybe this is my ticket out of all of this, this mess. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm just thinking. Gosh, how difficult it must be for someone like him to have to like bear the weight of yeah of all of well, this. Well, he must be aware of it, and he he must and that must be part of it. Like they're they're very passionate. It I know. I think like. he must be a pretty incredible guy. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like it's it. not easy to it live all like. all of this drama front and center. Everything that has happened, every song that she's written since this time has basically been about him at this point. Yeah, right. And I've definitely heard her, you know many interviews He's and quotes cute. where oh well. He's hot. <laughs> yeah. He's hot. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, but who else could have her, honestly? I mean, yeah. she is stacked. She's Her body is banging. She's in yeah. amazing shape. And, like, she's not going to be messed with. So no. who the hell else could handle that? You well, know? can we go into the I'm Not Dead era? Yeah. Okay, I would love to do that. There are so many tracks to talk about. But I want to start with sort of a random one uh, that was not actually officially released in the U.S., I don't believe. Um, and this was Dear Mr. President with the Indigo Girls. How do you sleep while the rest of us cry? How do you dream when a mother has no chance to say goodbye how do you walk with your head held high can you even look me in the eyes this is a great song Brendan I'm glad you included it 
Well, you know, it's a really, I just, I love that, again, this all goes around these themes of just authenticity and being herself. And, you know, this came out in, I want to say, 2006. Um, the album was recorded in 2005. And so if we think about the timing of everything, you know, a lot of these, you know, frustrations and issues with George Bush were already front and center. The Dixie Chicks had had their, you know, issue in 2003 um, when they spoke uh negatively yeah. <laughs> about him and then faced, you know, incredible repercussions. So, you know, this enough distance had passed in a way, but another way, it was still very brave to assert yourself on these topics in the music industry, I mm-hmm. think, mm-hmm. Um, with something so candid. And I just love that she brought in the Indigo Girls. I love that that sort of gave the the song this sort of um, the gravitas of the power of what folk music can do for social protests and yeah. for movements and um, the harmonies with Amy Ray and Emily from Indigo Girls are just super gorgeous. And the whole thing is an open letter to the president. And um, what's most striking to me that I really, really love um, just being a, a political junkie and, 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 and a person who really cares about politics and about what our government can do. I love the line about hard work towards the end because that was such a line that, you know, the, the, the George Bush, um, you know, campaign in 2004 and then, you know, his administration constantly focused on the hard work. They talked about, you know, our military and the hard work. And um, of course, the military works hard. And of course, there's there's lots of ways in which that phrase is used appropriately, but the 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 counter to what he was saying, or the, sorry, not the counter, the the implication of what he was saying was that any critique um, was right. not relevant because this is hard work, and what you're talking about, you whomever you are who's being critical of what we're doing, you you know you don't understand how you know, this is tough. And she in the song directly challenges that in a way that I don't think any organized, you know, party politician was doing at the time where she starts listing out all of the ways real people have to really face hard work in America, um, economic challenges and, you know, other kinds of social justice challenges. And she throws it back at him in this open letter of a song. And she says, you know, you don't know nothing about hard work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a time where we were seeing a lot of perversion of language, language used to really to hint at things and to suggest things. I mean, it still is. It's still really... Um, but yeah, no, it was brave with what was going on, you know, with the Dixie Chicks. We were right in the middle of the, you know, the, the worst of what was being dealt out to them as a result for, for daring to go against the status quo. Um, so it was, it was incredibly brave of her. You know, another thing I really liked too is I really felt the energy of her father behind mm-hmm. this and the, the connection that she's had with her father, uh, Jim Moore. The, I think the secret track on this album, there was, was it on this album, I've seen the rain that her yes. father wrote while he was in Vietnam. Yep. Right? And she also had this song on Misunderstood called My Vietnam. Yep. Where, so it's like, I, uh, another thing, uh, another thing that's so great about her is that she's bring, she's got her family behind her. She's fierce loyal to and, and to her father's experience and this is a, not even just about her and also what you were saying about the fact that she brought in the indigo girls to join her it, it creates the idea of the sense of like she is with the people she is she is representational she's the human uh, yeah yeah and, the, and yeah. she's one of the many voices that are joining in and, and she actually said she didn't release in the US because she specifically the song was so important to her uh-huh. that she did not want it to be to be perceived as a publicity stunt yeah so it was released as a single in Europe 
Um, well, but people they did, heard it. Oh, they heard people, it. And, and all the reviews, they always, one of the, 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 the highlights of all the reviews written about this album was about this song. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And you've always said the Indigo Girls, I remember they're part of your, um, ultimate LGBT, like, are the, the, mm-hmm. the, are gay tracks. They're mm-hmm. like among your top. Of course. LGBT artists. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They're, they're hugely consequential. Do you want to talk about some other... Um, I'm not dead tracks? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of my favorite ones um, is... Gosh. Oh, I got money now. You don't have to like me anymore. I got money now. Track, a little bit somber, blah, 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 blah. And we can just breeze through this. But written by Pink and Mike Elizondo, produced by Mike Elizondo. Um, again, being critical of, you know, the idea that money or fame can somehow make bring you happiness. You know, at this point, she's, you know, she's writing her comeback album. But she's pretty established, with you know, in, in terms of being famous. Um, everybody's looking to her to set the trend for, like, sort of this raspy pop rock radio. Um, and she's saying, like, you know, I don't have to care about anything anymore because I've got money now. And it's sort of like the sarcastic thing that you think. Exactly. You know what I mean? That you yeah. think, oh, Madonna doesn't have to care any- about anything because she's got money. So she can just – she can spend all her time buying things and going on trips and not ever, not feel pain, not hear the bad things that people might say, you know, not not r- respond, you know, physically to, to, to criticisms of her relationship or, or whatever. It's like I'm, I'm impenetrable, impenetrable now because I have money and I have – Fame. I feel like that that um, that generalization or that you know assumption is so uh, pervasive throughout our culture, and it just makes me feel like there's such a huge amount of desperation where that many people think that that leads to some degree of um, of happiness, of true contentment. Just I think reflects upon how. Um, rough things are for people yeah yeah you know well another thing and it, it's crazy to me too but brendan a lot of the artists that you and i listen to you know like the george michaels and the michael jackson and, and even rupaul even they they always tell you about their experiences about yo this is the way that it really is check this out and sometimes even release those tracks as singles and it's like you and i it seems to me have been listening and have at least tried to to try to empathize or to put ourselves in that position of what that must feel like yeah and i feel like we've integrated that into our like our worldview and even the reason why we're doing this show is it's like it's humanizing for everybody involved for the the artists that sing they're not just a a a wig head with a microphone you know what i mean these are these are people you know um and and sharing themselves yeah yeah Yeah. i mean not even a singer but you know i know (laughs) one of my favorites but rosie o'donnell's celebrity detox book is so much about this and of course you know she has all of her flaws and you know people critique her constantly but the reality is she's been very brave about sharing the difficulties of riding the the fame wave yeah yeah, it's fascinating to me, and it's fascinating, like the the sociological, you know, way that we react to them, and, and to see what we do, to see the way that we treat, you know. Yeah. So that's what this song is to me. It's a little comment on that. I'm sure that you've got. Well, I was going to say, I mean, another comment. This album was full of commentary, lots of social commentary, and lots of ways, which was super cool. That's why I wanted to start with the "Dear Mr. President" track. But um, there's that one that you just mentioned, and then I want to talk about the, the the lead single that kicked it off. It was called "Stupid Girls." Stupid Girls. I'm 
remember the, the random reggae track that like random reggae out. and then because they actually very smartly I think premiered with the video not the actual song by itself mm-hmm. the video was so pointed in its critique of what was happening and again this is 2006 I think so you know we're at the point where you know the, the internet and social media is really starting to pick up and drive conversation yep. and video is accessible in a way that it just wasn't before mm-hmm. um, so things are spreading and we're starting to get that viral thing yeah. um, and I think people were just kind of blown away that she was taking on these you know real uh, figureheads of our sort of celebrity craziness from, you know, uh, Mary Kate Olsen to uh, Jessica Simpson. Um, I'm, there are others that I'm blanking Paris on Hilton. right now. Paris Hilton. Yes, thank you. Um, and her just saying, you know, we can be better than this. Yeah. I can, you know, we don't, we can expect more of our, of our humanity. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No, and she did it quite literally. I yeah. Mean, the girl sitting in front of the television and, and like literally selecting what objects she's going to take <laughs> with her. She's got the devil on her shoulder and the angel on her shoulder. It really bangs you over the head of it. But at the same time, it's completely hilarious. Yeah. And at the same time, this is another, another, yet another level, another element to Pink of why I love her so much is she's not afraid to, to cast herself as like the idiot or like she's not afraid to look stupid. She's not afraid to look crazy or ugly or like or silly you know what I mean and she's getting spray painted with orange you know I, I realize that she is in these scenarios she's imitating people no but, but there is she's not afraid to look unglamorous in order to be able to get her point across I agree you I mean, know you can I think that's what makes her such a great vessel for yeah. um, you know communicating and, and expressing these ideas is that innately she has some real sense of worth and value where she's able to, um, you know, be true to herself and play around in these ways that you're talking about. Yeah. I think this, this is a really, really great genius effort to, to take advantage. Like you said, of the, the shifting means of delivering, you know, a cultural event that, you know, dropping a single is by showing the video, showing the people what she means and then having the music sort of. Yeah. Clicking with And then she got tons of support. I mean, so many people saw this as a real, you know, feminist anthem. I mean, it's, I guess it's a low bar when you're just asking people to not, you know, be purely objectified. Um, but sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah. Um, do you have another one from this album? Oh my goodness. Um, I'm not dead. I really enjoyed, there's a couple that I enjoyed. I really loved, uh, Leave Me Alone, uh, produced, uh, written by Pink and Butch Walker, produced by Butch Walker. It was a uh, sixth single, released in 2007. Um, he was a, Butch Walker was the former lead guitarist from the metal band South Gang. Um, and I don't know, I just thought that this played in with her. It's that contrast thing. Yeah, the contradiction It's the come and go, come and go. I love it. I, I, I think it's a great, it's a great song. Another one, uh, as a real quick Mm one-off, is, uh, is Who Knew? Oh my gosh, Who Knew was gonna be on my list, and then I, and I had a sneak peek and saw that it was on yours, and I, and I shoved something else on my list. (laughs) But I love this song. Yeah, yeah. And I think also, I mean, like, not that it has any relevance to what we're talking about in terms of the video, but she looks so beautiful in the video. Just like her looks are gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, here as a quick aside, the way that we've able to do, you know, I love uh, what is it, theme and and uh, and like 
Oh, what is Variation? it? Variations on a theme. Variations on a theme. It's like pink. So you take the idea of pink and what's every way that we can possibly interpret pink? You know what I mean? Are we going to do pink hair? Are we going to do blonde hair with a pink streak in it? Are we going to do dark hair? Are we going to do pink makeup? Are we going to do pink clothes? You know what I mean? And they've really taken like every single, her stylist team has taken every possible way of looking at interpreting pink mm-hmm. and seeing. And so like pink is like underneath in this video. It's like she's blonde on top, but the pink is on the bottom. And it's yeah. just sort of like there's so many different ways ways that like metaphorically you can interpret it and I just I love that I love to look in the video and I love that she's this sort of muse type of character riding a a carousel as this this romance is playing itself out in a carnival setting and that had a lot to do with why she went on to for the next album for Fun House House. Mm -hmm. but sort of like all the crazy rides that you can get on at a a carnival and the the distortion of the Fun House mirrors and and how a lot of that really relates to being in a relationship well it's about yeah world distortion and I like I think that this whole idea of uh, you feel so certain in these moments and then you would never believe Uh that this other thing was possible and then three years from now yeah yeah who knew? <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> no, that song, it's its a smash. I mean, I mean, all jokes aside, it really is. It like really pulls at your heartstrings. It does. It's got a powerful, powerful hook, a powerful chorus. Um, it, it's hard, though. I mean, I feel like if you hear the song at different moments of your life, depending on what's happening in your own life, it can really make you question some things. Yeah. Which I guess is what a good song does. Totally. To, oh, good good art asks questions, right? As yeah. As opposed to just gives you a flat out. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when we, we saw this on her Truth About Love tour when she did it live acoustic barefoot at the, at yeah. the foot of the stage? You know? And it was yeah. just it was such an intimate moment. And it was just like, this song is so special. Um, it was moderately successful. It was number one on adult contemporary. And... Um, but it was only number nine on Billboard. But um, I really liked every track on this album. I remember yeah. when it came out, I got it on my iTunes, and I remember just playing it through the whole thing, start to finish. And how many times do you get to do that today? I just every single That's song true. was uh, was wonderful. Well, it's kind of the way that her albums have been as of late. I yeah, mean, really, and to the point where they've they've added like five and six tracks to you know oh attacked on the end as bonuses to you know to these latest well, albums that have come out. If we jump ahead, you know, past Funhouse because we are already sort of went there quite a bit and talk about the truth about love for two seconds. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, I think I read she wrote like 40 some tracks for that album. I believe it. Yeah. And everything that she selected was great. Was awesome. Do you want to close out with one? Well, I do want to talk about one song that I think is just so beautiful and it's not about Carrie Hart. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to talk about Beam Me Up. Could you beam me Happy just to be there, hold in your face. Beam me up. Let me be lighter. Tired of being a fighter, I think. Oh, this is a beautiful song, and I think I think um, the subject matter for this song is really really sensitive. I, did you hear what it's it is? About? Yeah, I know. I do know what it's about. I mean, the song you know is is all about you know that that idea that you could have, you know, one shot to sort of visit um, someone who's gone. Yeah. Um, And it was written, my understanding is it was written about a good friend of hers who had lost a child at a very young age. And um, it's, it's one of the songs that she says, you know, she's 
most proud of and it's hard for her to do and I think it was actually supposed to be in the show we saw in that tour yeah. and they ended up taking it out because she just had too a, too hard of a time getting through it yeah I don't yeah. blame I don't mean I don't blame her at all yeah. it's, it's absolutely beautiful I mean like the idea of like of like teleporting like you know Star Trek the next generation over to the alternate universe where the timeline continues where they're still there um, it's so powerful and it's like I don't know about you but I've definitely had dreams like this like you know with people that I've lost my yeah that you can reconnect yeah absolutely and you can feel them there and, and it's like as if nothing has ever you know nothing had ever happened and it's real that's, that's such a precious sentiment right and there. just wanting a minute a minute and what yeah. would you do with it and she said she would probably just stare and uh-huh. hold on to their face yeah. You know what I mean? And that's probably at the end of the day, that's all you really need, right? You just mm-hmm. need to just feel that connection. connection. Yep. Holla. I know. I know. <laughs> so, so, um, yeah, it, the one thing I wanted to mention, and I don't know, I'm assuming he probably had a hand in this song, but I'm not sure. But one thing I wanted just to, as a shout out, is so many of these later tracks um, from her last couple albums were in uh, collaboration with a guy named Billy Mann. Yeah. Um, so I just thought it was good for us to share that yeah. because sometimes these people are so unknown and not spoken of, but they're really key to to the the art that we get to enjoy. He's done a lot. He's done a lot. I know that they gave a song to uh, to share for her. Uh, Did they? Yeah, yeah. Closer to the Truth album. Oh, um, and they, what do you want from me for uh, Adam Lambert? Adam Lambert. Sorry. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of Pink uh, Pink's writing floating out around there. One other thing about Billy Mann is we were talking about that song Crystal Ball earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, they recorded that you know in one session. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't mix it. Didn't do anything. Much to his chagrin. Pink says there's even places in the song where you can hear him. He's the backing vocal on that track. Yeah. He's not even singing the same words. Like he's not. She said it, it's full of mistakes, but it was oh. just such a beautiful, perfect moment. So like that song on the album is completely untouched. It's just how they recorded it, and I think that's so special and amazing that we get to hear that. Totally. Well, you know, crazy, similar thing, uh, Beautiful by Christina Aguilera, though it was uh-huh. written by Linda Perry. Yeah. Allegedly, that was the version that they sh- she sung as a demo, and she had always re- intended to re-record it, but she never did. because Christina? Linda Perry, yeah, Linda Perry wanted uh, wanted to keep it with the, the same imperfect quality. Wow. It's, it's interesting and similar, especially, especially yeah. the, the two of them are, you know, rivals. Apparently. Yeah. But, yeah, that's interesting that like, it comes out in Crystal Ball. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of Pink's best work is collaborative. Collaborative, mm-hmm. and uh, I just before we close out, yeah. I just wanted to mention that the You and Me album that came out in in 2014 with uh, folk singer Dallas Green. Have you listened to it? I've listened to it. I not enough to be able to speak uh, like competently to, to, at the level that we do the rest of the show. But I just have to say some standout tracks for me. If we could put them on the EP, Capsize, the opening number is a beautiful, atmospheric, like dreamy guitar kind of number, reminiscent of kind of. Uh, Veruca, not Veruca Salt. Um, oh God, uh, fade into you, Mazzy Star. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like uh, recorded at the end of like a hallway or like in like a big, a big space to make it sound large. And then also they do a cover of No Ordinary Love by Sade. Oh wow! Um, from her uh, Love Deluxe album. Oh, I can't wait to hear that. Which that song is to me one of the most haunting and beautiful, you know, uh, tracks ever written in whatever capacity. And then we also um, they didn't do this, but it reminds me of when we saw her do um wicked game yes live the chris isaac song yeah a lot of her stuff is collaborative and she works really well when when she's got somebody helping draw the stuff out of her absolutely and i think what's 
you know, interesting too is that she's always seen as, I think, being angry and sort of sad and, or, or fun. But I mean, I think that there's a lot of pain there that people see when they think about pink music. But, you know, I was watching a lot of interviews with her and this is, we were sort of thinking about, you know, this episode we wanted to do together. And, um, one thing just really got me. She was talking about her own writing and her experience and she ends, the interview ends and she has a line where she says, um, for her, her, about her philosophy in life and, you know, to go where the joy is. Yeah. And I just think, wow, that's, that's beautiful. Well, that's what we're doing right now, aren't we? Yeah. We're yeah. going where the joy is. What a great way to close out the show. Where's Brendan? the joy going next? <laughs> the joy. I don't know. We've got so many different topics to explore. Yeah. We've got a, maybe another special guest around the corner. Maybe a Britney episode. I don't know. All right. No promises. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the joy of my uh, day is going to be uh, dinner, I think. Dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is great. Yeah. I, you know, Pink is a rock star, and I love that we got to spend this time talking about her and celebrating her. Right on. All right, we'll check you later. Bye. Bye. If you like our show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are hot. And if you really like our show, we'd love a rating and a review. You can find us on Twitter at Back on Track Show, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and all of your favorite ways of time. <laughs> we love to hear from you. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify and check out all of our Make Say playlists. And if you're outraged that your favorite track didn't make a list, visit us at www.backontrackshow.com and let us have it. You know, we'll tell you what we think, honey. All right, we're done. Peace.